Hello and welcome to another episode of Storytime with Dave. I'm your host, Dave. Thanks for joining me. And uh, it's been a while, so pardon my absence, if you will. Um, you know, there had been a period of time, really the past few months, where it seemingly two weeks was enough to completely refresh the news cycle where everything was new. You'd wait two weeks and it would be like, no, this is a completely different world now. Things were happening very, very rapidly. And things have stagnated a bit. This isn't to say that there aren't still a lot of important things going on related to this you know, new world order, great reset nonsense. It's all still happening and progressing, but obviously the big story has been Russia and Ukraine and the war that continues to go on there that should have ended, well, it shouldn't have started, but it should have already ended by now. This is something that I was thinking about. So, you know, I have my character that I get into at times and often it'll be, that's what I do on stage when I do comedy. And the character is a megalomaniac, psycho, uh, bent on absolute tyrannical control. And I kind of use it as a way to, to show people this is the way I try to use it. This is how I try to use comedy or how I came to use comedy as because it's a good tool for this kind of thing to show people just how psychotic everything that goes on is and just how psychotic the people who employ these tactics are where you know just telling them as it is they might dismiss it as the usual that's a conspiracy theory or no they wouldn't do that like if you tell them they, they think these things are good or they don't think about them. Like you, you mentioned to someone Bill Gates buying up all the, uh, the farmland in the United States. And they're like, I, I don't, what, what's wrong with that? I don't, I don't, uh, it, I don't see it. It's just, it's, he's good. It's, he's good. It's, it's a good person. He's good. And you're like, okay, well, did you know his dad was a eugenicist? Stop, stop. That's a conspiracy theory. All right. Okay. Well, uh, I'll talk to someone else then. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So they don't, they don't even necessarily realize things or they think things are good. You talk to someone about globalism. I think globalism's great. Okay. I mean, do you realize the, what the, what the, um, end in mind is this, uh, global government this one world government do you think that that would be a good thing i don't see a problem with that no do you see maybe potential drawbacks to no longer having national sovereignty no i don't i don't i don't think that's bad but i just want bill gates to run it and i think it'd be good he has vaccines he has vaccines he has vaccines, mosquitoes, mosquitoes. I don't know. Weird things. These people think it's like weird stuff. And, uh, but they like it. They like it or they don't think it's bad. And the, the, 
And humor is a good way to bring to their attention that maybe they've been thinking about it the wrong way, or at least it puts it in a different context. And so when I go on stage, I'll be like in support of these things. That's kind of like what my comedy has become. Although I haven't done it in a while, but hold on, civil water. I haven't been doing much comedy recently. I haven't really gotten to stage in like six weeks, but you know, it's still there. I could do it. And I, I still like, I actually hadn't thought of jokes for a while, but I've over the past week and a half or so, I've had some, some real breakthroughs because when I think about it, it's like, that's the angle and it works for everything. It's really works for me. And it's like, how would my character view through the, through the lens of my character? How would I view the events going on? And something I was thinking about is like, the way to frame it, the way that I would frame it if I was going to do a bit about it, and I really want to do a, I really want to hit some mics in the next couple of weeks and just work this out and see how the response is, especially the NPCs, if I can get in front of NPCs. There's one comedy club that I go to um, in Suffern called Rhino that I like Rhino. I always like going to Rhino because there's an open mic there and it's fun. And there's usually regular folks there. And like, obviously, when you get regular people in a liberal town, you're going to get some NPCs. And I like to see how does the NPC react to this kind of thing? Like, it's very interesting. I love this exploration. I can't wait. I should do it. Someone should do it. Someone should do a full deep dive into the psychology of the liberal NPC. Because I always like, I'll always, um, by the way, I'm unshadow banned from Instagram. So if you hadn't been seeing my posts, but now you're seeing them all of a sudden, um, that's not because I was gone. It's just because they moved my story all the way to the right. So you wouldn't see it. They had punished me for sharing. This is the weird thing. I had a day about three and a half months ago where I posted multiple times in the same story. Posts got fact checked, obviously, because they were too true. So they had to step in with the fact checks. And because like, obviously, if you share anything COVID related, then you're going to get that little thing in the bottom. For more COVID information, visit reliable sources such as cdc.gov or whatever they post. <laughs> and um, I had gotten fact checked basically like three times in a day. And I got an Instagram message that basically said, we're restricting your account for 90 days. Did they elaborate on what that meant? No. And quickly it became apparent that what they had done is shadow man me because I was still able to make um, stories. I was still able to post stories, but the usual 200 to 250 views that I was getting plummeted to about 20. And those were my like core 20. And it was actually nice because what I've realized now is uh, since being unshadow banned, the funny thing is, by the way, I changed nothing about my behavior and the way I post. Like they just gave me a seemingly arbitrary 90 day restriction in which they shadow banned me without saying so. But it was obvious that that was what happened. And now they've unshadow banned me. And so I'm getting back to the regular number of views. Um, but I post the same stuff. It's just not getting fact checked for whatever reason. I'm not really sure. I don't think they even know what they're doing. I mean, that seems clear. And I kind of miss, like, I actually learned to really enjoy just the 20 people because the 20 people who were seeing it all are on the same page as us. So that's, like, 
What made it so only those 20 people were seeing it, I don't know. Maybe Instagram had deemed them as um, undesirables, such as myself, and so they they felt it, it would be um, no big loss to allow them to continue to, to continue to see my dangerous misinformation. But I don't know. So whatever, I, I'm on Shadow Man. It's kind of like I was thinking, see, this is the... Um, it's just interesting because it was like, on the one hand, I was like, ah, bummer. I'm not going to get my stuff out to more people. But on the other hand, it was like the only responses I would get from these 20 or so people would be like, hell yeah, bro. Wow, that's crazy. You know, stuff like that. And now that it's back to the to the numbers that it was out, now I, I, got, I get some of these annoying responses that I usually just ignore. Um, from NPCs being, how could you say that? There's a genocide! Stuff like that. And, um, you know, re regarding the uh, Ukrainian genocide, apparently that's a genocide. Um, we'll get into it. And uh, I'm, get, I'm back to getting those comments. And, like, you know, my, my cousin will, will respond to my stories. Uh, you know, this is actually, um, actually, you know, this is um, actually, you know, this is actually. And I'm like, dude, just give it a rest, man. I'm like, just don't watch it. <laughs> like, it's like, wouldn't it be better for our relationship as family if you just didn't watch it? Like, you don't have to watch it, man. It's not for you. You know, I mean, it's so easy. That's the other thing. It's so easy. Just, it's not for you and it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I don't watch yours. I don't watch so many people's stories. I don't go on Instagram to watch stories. I watch Lauren's stories and that's like it. That's what I watch on Instagram. I don't even really scroll through it. I scroll through like food. Like, whoa, that's a baller chicken sandwich. That's what I use Instagram for, like chicken sandwiches now. That's about it. I post stuff. I look at chicken sandwiches. I look at Lauren's story. That's like it. And um, certainly I don't seek out. I mean, look, I'm not saying I'm above that, but I just don't do it on Instagram. I don't seek out things that I disagree with. On Twitter, I see stuff I disagree with all the time. It's not necessarily by choice, but you see it all the time. And I'm just like, I don't even respond really. My new thing, I just go put the phone down. Just put the phone down. Or I, I got this one from Michael Malice, just hang in there. That's a really good one. If someone says, um, the, what you're doing is undermining democracy and it is obscene what you are doing and people are dying and you're on the wrong side of history. And I just say, um, hang in there. You know, and it's going to be okay. And uh, I got a lot of energy today. I'm feeling really good, man. I'm feeling really good. And actually, it was a beautiful day until about 20 minutes ago. And now it looks like it's going to rain, but then it also looks like it's not going to rain. And uh, it's a little, I'm a little flustered about this weather. Sip of water. So, um, let's see, where are we going now? I was thinking about my character, basically, because I had kind of forgotten, like, basically, that's a good way that I get material, is I kind of just lay in bed. I lay in bed before I fall asleep, and I'll just get into character, kind of. Or sometimes I'll just get on stage and get into character, not really knowing where I'm going to go with it. But really, it's just like, what's the most ridiculously, quote-unquote, wrong thing I could say, and then how could I justify it? And that's a fun way... I used to have a bit about like, oh, how'd it go? I had a bit about Hitler. 
Um, shit, how'd it go? Oh, wait, let me pause for a second. Try to try to think of it. One second, one second. Oh, 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 I remember now. It was kind of being like, um, it was me just uh, justifying Holocaust denial as like a way to dunk on Hitler, basically. The logic was like, if you, like, if I went to hell and I saw Hitler, he'd be really upset. Like, Hitler wouldn't like a Holocaust denier, is the point. Because it's like his life's work and his greatest achievement, according to his ideology, was that he killed so many Jews and so many Bolsheviks. And by saying to him, like, no, you didn't. You didn't kill anyone. You didn't kill any Jews. He'd be like, what? I killed the Jews. I killed six million of the Jews. And I'd be like, no, you didn't, fag. You know what I mean? Like, it would bother Hitler. That was kind of like, so just that kind of thing. But then on, this would be a little different. You'd classify this a little differently. But I was thinking, like, what would the character think about this situation in Ukraine? And the answer is, well, the stance would be, I just want Ukrainian people to suffer. I mean, I have, like, basically I have a boss. It's like, one of my bosses is Ukrainian, and he's an asshole. So I want all Ukrainians to suffer because of his behavior. And um, as someone who wants Ukrainians to suffer, but I don't want the government to suffer. I don't want the government of Ukraine to suffer. I want Zelensky to be okay. He's one of the most corrupt politicians in the world. I look up to him. The government, the entire government of the Ukraine is notoriously, notoriously corrupt. And so for that, I look up to them. That's one of my favorite governments in the world. So obviously, I don't want Zelensky to suffer. I want him to be okay. The Ukrainian people, on the other hand, I want them to suffer and die. You see, that's the character. I want them to suffer and die. And so what do I think about Biden sending weapons? I think, wonderful. Send more weapons. Prolong this conflict, this unwinnable conflict. Because as a psychopath bent on uh, inflicting suffering on innocent people... I would say all I want Biden to do is send weapons, weapons, weapons and aid to Ukraine so they can sustain this war effort that they have no business sustaining so that more Ukrainians can die. And hey, if Russians die too, I don't care. I got no dog in this fight. You know, because this is the other thing. It's like the the inversion of everything. It's like really if you're in favor, you like the... It's like you're seen as a uh, as an evil um, lunatic if you're if you're thinking, well, I hope this just ends and Russia gets what they want. But in reality, that's a more humanitarian viewpoint because you're like that results in the least amount of suffering. It's a shifting around of uh, territory. It doesn't hurt anyone. Okay, now you got all these people who like Russia anyway, and now they're Russian. Instead of being Ukrainian. Okay. And then they could stop fighting in the Donbass, you know, region. All right. Well, that's the, that's the humanitarian. No, that's evil. That's evil. I don't like that because that version doesn't have dying Ukrainians fighting for their country. I don't like that version because Zelensky's not holding 5 million men hostage, not allowing them to leave the country between 18 and 60. I don't like that version. I like my version more because it's honorable. 
I like my version more because it's cool. And they got stinger missiles and it's cool. And they blow up Russian helicopters and it's cool and fun. And I get to watch from here in America and watch war porn. I like it. It's the inversion. It's like they, that's why, you know, it's like the whole, um, you got, there's so many red flags. Obviously, they're always constantly employed by mainstream news sources. And one of them is wrong side of history, wrong side of history. And you're like, you, it's such a silly thing to say. You're, you'll be on the wrong side of, you're on the wrong side of history. You're on the wrong side of history. Like, do you know how many people said in the Civil War or like very pre-Civil War, like, you think, you believe in the, uh, the abolition of slavery? You're on the wrong side of history, man. This country's gonna go to shit. Anyone can use that argument and just later on be like, oh yeah, I guess we were wrong. It's such a silly thing. It's more of this moralism. It's such a waste of time. It's an absolute waste of time. And we could talk kind of get into like kind of realism when it comes to political realism and like realpolitik as it's known and Machiavellianism and how this is actually really the right way to look at things, at least when it comes to international relations. There's not a better way to look. It's a way different ball game when you're talking about like When you're talking about international relations, it's just way different than when you're talking about domestic and then you're trying to make your moral platitudes. Like, even at least domestically, you have more footing. And what I mean is like, okay, if you're going to say like, I believe in healthcare, I believe in universal healthcare, and you're going to make a moral argument for that, you're not totally just blowing hot air. It's like there is something to be said about that. Now... I'm not in favor of that, but it has nothing to do with, like, I think I think people need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps if they want to get, um, you know, if they want if they want to get a cast on their broken leg. It's not that. It's like everything the government touches dies. So I think that by having government health care would just cause more death. Obviously hyperbole, but I think that Every, essentially everything the government gets involved in gets worse. And it's either, it either gets kind of worse or it gets way worse. And the way our current healthcare system is, is it's so bad and such a scam that you just want to make it, you're going to end up making it worse. And it'll just come via tax money rather than via, you know, price gouging and things like that. But at least... When I hear like a Bernie bro or a socialist talk about the merits of uh, healthcare, universal healthcare, single payer, whatever, and talk about the morality behind it, I'm like not rolling my eyes and scoffing. I can actually have a conversation with someone about that. But when you talk about international politics and, you know, international law and things like this, that it's... And you talk in terms of idealism because now you have clashing cultures, completely different cultures. Most people are uh, oblivious enough about domestic policies and the things going on in their own country. I mean, think about the average American and how little they actually understand 
about what happens in American politics. And now you want them to, you know, now they want to give you their opinion about what's going on between Ukraine and Russia, both of which they know less about what they know about the United States. And then you add compounding to this fact that they want to make moral platitudes being American, talking about war crimes. The idea of any American criticizing another nation of war crimes is laughable on its face, obviously. I mean, that's not controversial. Sip. You know, and I think I've said it, but the United States could learn a thing or two about how to conduct humane warfare is kind of an oxymoron. You can't say humane warfare. But you understand what I'm getting at? Like, the United States could actually learn a thing or two from the way Russia has conducted itself with, by all accounts, a great de deal of restraint, although that is poised to change because, again, this is, we'll get into the realism of it. But they have, you know, largely, and especially if you realize the degree to which propaganda is um this is just dripping with propaganda this whole situation and uh i'll talk about the buka thing too as a great example of that and i don't know what happened in buka but i know it's not what they said that's kind of like it that's kind of a that goes across a lot of different aspects of the issues going on right now it's like i don't know what it is but i know that's wrong and that's a good place to be it's not the best place to be. The best place to be would be to know. But if you can't know definitively, at least know what's wrong and what's definitely not true. It's like, I don't know if, if uh, it's like with COVID, it's like, do we know? Do we know if it was made in a lab as like a bioweapon or was it actually gain of function or what were their motives and did they release it on purpose or was it an accident and is there even a virus at all? I don't know, but I know it wasn't a, uh, you know, a bat at a fucking uh, wet market. So we know what not, we know what not to know. And that's better than nothing. And so it's with this Buka thing, it's like, we'll, we'll get into what not to know. And so we'll at least know what's not true, even though we might not know exactly what happened. And um, there's a lot of suspicious stuff. But when you deal with these issues, it's like you approach it through the lens of realism or you're just wasting your time. And the United States... What we do versus what Russia does, what Russia does is strategic military strikes, like striking strategic military uh, installments and bases in the Ukraine and avoiding civilian areas. What do we do? It's like with Baghdad, with our original Operation Desert Storm, which I think was in 1990. Was it in 1991? I know it was under the first Bush. <laughs> and, um, you know, what did we do? Cause like when you learn about it, you're like, Oh, it was a, it was a wild success. We were in and out in like two weeks. I don't know. I'd have to refresh myself on what the exact 
sequence of events was. I'm not entirely sure that even you could, um, that's not like we were there for X amount of time. You could even just find that on Wikipedia. I know Wikipedia is full of shit and it's always lies, but it's like we were there and then we left. Although I'm sure we left advisors and stuff as we call them, but whatever, you can get that. Um, the point is that what did we do? We, we didn't go for strategic military locations. We just went for shock and awe. We killed, we have no idea how many people died in the original Desert Storm. It could have been tens of thousands. It could have been hundreds of thousands. But we just carpet bombed the fuck out of that country. Afghanistan. And, um, you know, so... That's how we conduct warfare. That's how we conduct warfare. And then someone wants to sincerely, like, try to convey moral platitudes and secure a moral high ground with regards to what's going on in Russia as an American. And you're like, no, you sit this one out. I mean, look, if someone in uh, Sweden wants to make a, a moral argument about the events going on. I know that Americans aren't responsible for the actions of our government, but it's like you never have a problem with it. We're doing stuff now. We're funding the, the Saudi. The only thing that you could legitimately call and, and kind of have a point about and be right about that you can call a genocide right now in the world Perhaps there's more than just this, but it would be Yemen. And we're funding the Saudis to conduct that genocide. And you want to talk about how Russia's evil and Putin is Hitler? Listen, I think that what a lot of people fail to understand is the degree to which they've been indoctrinated through public school to have patriotism. Not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but it is when it's a lie. Like... Good things can be bad when they're based completely on falsehoods, when they're based completely on a narrative that is absolutely untrue or a complete inversion of the reality. So when you look at the story that we're told about the United States through our education, and when you look at the reality of the United States on the world stage as a superpower since World War I, all you see is chaos and destruction. And so when you look through the lens that maybe... The United States is the bad guy. Maybe the United States is the empire. Maybe we're not the rebels. Maybe we're the empire. Maybe we're the Death Star. When you look at it through that lens, you go, huh, okay. Well, that certainly changes things. And it gives you a better idea. But again, it's like, it doesn't even have to be evil if you're looking at it through the lens of realism in international politics. It's like, what? It's like, this can only be extended to certain situations. And we often find ourselves fighting for things that are not in our interest. And they're often in the interest of the elites making the decisions, but not actually in the interest of the United States. But more broadly, if a nation, if a sovereign nation state seeks to conduct warfare to pursue its own interests. This isn't necessarily evil. And what 
what happened prior to that. I mean, this is what we've talked about with the Ukraine and Russia situation. Is it in Russia's interest? Is it in their national interest? Like, let me ask you this question. Because it's not as cut and dry. I know that pretty much everyone that listens to my podcast, we're on the same page with COVID. Maybe not down to the complete specifics, but we can at least broadly agree that it's a scam. And I know the same is not true about Ukraine because I've talked to people about this and people have gotten, you know, even people I'm not expecting it from necessarily on Instagram, sharing some of these posts, responding, well, that's not cool, man. It's different. It's different. And I'm like, it, yeah, of course it's different, but like, it's the same. And I'm trying to get that across. And at the very least, you don't have to say that Russia is a good guy. I don't think Russia's a good benevolent force for good in the world. They did the same thing with COVID. They did the same, you know, the same playbook as the rest of the globalist controlled governments. They did the same thing that we did. They did the same thing Canada did. Maybe not quite as bad, but when I say not quite as bad, maybe not quite as bad as Canada or Australia, but bad, at, certainly as bad as the United States with the coercion and you'll lose your job if you don't get a vaccine. And it's just a different vaccine. It's their Sputnik vaccine, but it's the same great reset agenda. This isn't like Putz is not, is not the savior. That's, that's not a right way to look at it. But what I'm saying is, it's like there's a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote. I, I did a podcast about it from uh, Self-Reliance, and I forget what the, exact quote, what the exact quote is. It actually might have been a Thoreau quote, but it's one of those two guys. <laughs> and he says something like, thy care abroad is spite at home. And it's a great line. I mean, I, I paraphrase it. I don't think that's the actual quote. I think it's a little more um, flowery than that. But... It's like you care so much about things happening 5,000 miles away and you can't even turn and look in the mirror, you know, figuratively and look at what your own home, and, you know, you fly that, you fly that American flag in, in your front yard and you don't realize the baggage and, and then you'll fly a Ukrainian flag underneath it and not realize the irony. And, and so when we ask ourselves, like, if we're looking broadly at the situation and maybe do some compare contrast, because this goes back, it's not just the Middle East. That's like, if Russia has a neighboring country that wants to become part of a semi-global, largely European and United States, uh, military alliance, which has a clause stating that an attack on one is an attack on all, which, as a side note, to me, just proves that NATO's bad. NATO's not a good thing. Military alliances, generally speaking, are not a good thing. Now, if it's a, just two countries together... Like, if the U.S. wants to make a military alliance with Britain 
because they've got long shared history and they've got shared cultural values and they've got very uh, interlinked economies and this and that, certainly you can make a compelling argument for that case. But once you've thrown in 30 nations together, some of which are like, these are not equals. You know, like Lithuania is not Germany. And yet Lithuania is a NATO. Let me confirm that one sec. Okay, I got it here. Okay, so you're telling me that we're going to go... So you're telling me that if someone attacks Bulgaria, we're going to go to war with the country that attacked Bulgaria because we're in this NATO alliance? Croatia? We're going to go to war over Croatia? It's not realistic. Oh, but we're the good guys and we're going to save them because we're the rebels. No, dude, that's stupid as fuck. Like, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. NATO is makes things worse. The attack on one is an attack on all. is not defensive. All it does is turn a small regional conflict into a large global conflict. But that's obviously good for weapons manufacturers. So invest in Lockheed. The Czech Republic, we're going to go. It's funny. It's really funny if you look on this. I'm just like looking on Wikipedia right now and... It shows, um, it's basically showing like uh, in the le column, it's like on the left, it says flag and then map and then member state and then population. So it's like, wait a minute, look at like, dude, you should look at this while I'm doing it. Look at this. You should look at this while I'm doing it. It's amazing. It's like this, these two countries, tell me. You, you scroll to the bottom and you got United States, United States, and then you look at it on the map and it's this gigantic territory, obviously, we're familiar with that. And then you look at population, 334 million, about. And then you scroll up a little bit and you've got Estonia. You've got Luxembourg. And if you look on the map, it, can't, it doesn't even appear. They have to put a circle around it because you can't even see it on the map. It's a speck. And they've got a population of 639,000. And if they get attacked, we have to go to war with whoever attacked them. It's a dumb, it, it's, a, it's not, it's, it's bad. It's bad. This is what I mean by like the degree to which the indoctrination seeps into you. Because you're like, oh yeah, that's a given. NATO's a good thing, of course. It's the same with the United Nations. It's the same with the idea of democracy. And I got to do a whole episode about democracy because we got to talk about that very important but you're like is that a good idea if montenegro if someone aggresses upon montenegro with a population of 600,000 13,000 square kilometers compare that to the united states um basically 10 million square kilometers if someone aggresses upon North Macedonia, we want to go to war now. Is that a good idea? Does that sound like a good idea? Let's like explain this like I'm five. You know, like we have to really step back. This is kind of how it is. You got to simplify. You got to step back. Is that good? And the more countries you have involved in this agreement that an attack on one is an attack on all, doesn't that increase the likelihood that a small conflict turns into a large conflict? Simple question. Answer is yes. Obviously. So it's like we rethink these things. You have to rethink these things. 
you have to fundamentally rethink these things and you have to fundamentally like, look, I'm going to do also a podcast. I have like all the notes for it. So it's ready to go and I'll do it. But it'll be about thinking. Like, how do we think about these things? How do we think about these things? How do we think? Not what to think, but how do we think about these things? And you have to always like be willing. And I feel like I'm pretty good about this. Look, I'm not like, I don't follow all my rules all the time. And sometimes I'm a douchebag. And sometimes I um, engage in the same kind of behavior that I uh, excoriate people for engaging in. Did I say that? Did I use that word right? Let's check. Excoriate. Is that even, did I even say the word? Uh, Excoriate definition. Um, To censure strongly. Denounce. To criticize harshly. Yes, I did. Good for us. So yeah, I look, we're all trying to get better. We're all trying to learn. But that's one of the things that you have to be like, wait a second, is something that I took super for granted. Is that wrong even, you know? And then this is like, we've been talking about these ideas. It's like, is America a good guy? This is a simple question, but a lot hinges on the answer. Because if the answer suddenly is like, wait a minute, no. Then that is like a... That is like a very important turning point in someone's worldview if you realize that the United States is not a good, benevolent force for good. It doesn't necessarily make them evil. Things don't have to be black and white, but you go, okay, well, this is going to certainly influence my thinking, especially when it comes to international conflicts that the United States feels the need to involve themselves in. So even if we don't want to look, look, I'll go back to what I was going to say, where we compare contrast. Let's talk about Russia has a neighbor and they want to join this. If we, if one is attacked, then all are attacked. That's bad for Russia. It's against Russia's interests, right? I don't want to, I, I'm annoyed when I say right. I don't like saying right. I'm going to try to stop doing it. I'm trying to break that habit. Sip. That's bad for Russia. If their neighbor wants to become involved in NATO, it's bad for Russia. If, and this is where you have to take into account historical things that people know nothing about. And so they don't know how to weigh in, in a, I don't want to say in an intellectual way, but just in a, in a serious way, like where I can take you seriously. If someone gave if someone said yeah i know what happened in 2014 i know what happened in the 90s with the breaking up of the soviet union and then i i hear you out and you're still like very pro-ukraine okay let's talk about it but most of the people i find who get really mad about me not being pro-ukraine or get really up in arms about how we need to you know we need to be sending nuclear arms to ukraine to defend themselves they don't know what happened in 2000 in 2014 They don't know how Ukraine became a sovereign nation. They don't even know that Ukraine maybe was part of the Soviet Union at one time. They don't know these things. So they certainly don't know that the eastern regions like Donbass have been fighting. These are Russian separatists. They view themselves as Russian. They've been fighting against these ultra-nationalist Ukrainians. Call them Nazis. Call them whatever. This Azov battalion. Ultra-nationalist is at least, you know, let's just stick with that because you start throwing around Nazi and then it kind of undermines your credibility. But they certainly are ultra-nationalists 
and they've been fighting this war. And there's there's a video of Zelensky. You should watch this video. It's amazing. There's a video. I'm sure you could find it, like on Twitter or something. There's a video of Zelensky. He goes to try to get them to stop fighting in 2019. Because, look, I had been harsh on Zelensky. I mean, the dude's a scam artist. We know he's worth a lot of money, secret money. And he's scum, but he's scum the same way that any leader of any nation is scum. They're all scum in different ways and different degrees of scum. Like Vladimir Putin is scum, but you listen to him talk and you're like, he's smart scum. He knows what's going on scum. You listen to Joe Biden talk. I actually want to touch on this. Um, I want to touch on American... I'm just going to write it down so I don't forget. American leaders speaking versus Russian leaders speaking to the public. Um, We'll talk about that in a minute because it's very interesting. I recognize where Zelensky is and I'm also like not, I was being a douchebag calling him just absolute scum and just, I was engaging in the black and white thing. He's evil. He's not good. This is a gray area. And this video really made me realize that he is in a lose-lose situation. So there's a video of him in 2019, and he's going to confront these um, ultra-nationalist soldiers who continue to fight in Donbass. When Zelensky was elected, he was running as the peace guy. I'm going to make peace in these eastern regions, and I'm going to stop the fighting. And I don't know if he was being insincere. I mean, I assume all politicians are being insincere no matter what they say. But I don't know. Maybe he was being sincere. Maybe he really did want to have a peaceful resolution in these eastern regions. But there's a video of him, and he goes to confront these soldiers. And he's obviously talking to the soldiers in the leadership positions. And they and he says, like, I want you to stop the fighting. Like, this has to stop. And they tell him to go fuck himself. And one of the soldiers starts telling him, I'm going to shoot you right now if you don't leave. He's, he's like, I'm going to kill you. So Zelensky has no control over a not insignificant portion of his military. Calling it his military would be a stretch. This is, <laughs> they are sovereign. They make their own rules. They are not answering to Zelensky. This is not a commander in chief. He does not have control over these people. So when you realize like, okay, well, what is he supposed to do then? I mean, he took one plan of action, which is like, fine, I'm going to side with these ultra nationalist guys and we're just going to fight it out. And that was the path that he chose. And you know what? Honestly, if he had chose the other one, which is like, then he'd just have a civil war and he'd probably end up getting himself killed. So I can't really hold it that against him that much. I mean, the guy had two bad options and he chose one of the bad options. I don't know. He did the self-preserving bad option, but he did pick, you know, he didn't have a good alternative. So there, I said it, okay? Are you happy now? So these are historical things to take into context. And then when you take all of this and put it together, you realize that if nothing else, this aggressive war from Russia and just flat out stating it's an aggressive war is a little misleading because that doesn't take account 
into account all of the um, prior uh, instigating from the West. Still, you would have to concede as anti-Russia as you may be, as anti-Putin as you may be, you would have to concede that this is in Russia's interest as a sovereign nation. And when we talk about realism in political science, in international relations, when we talk about realism, interests are the top of the list. Sovereign nations act in their interest. I mean, at least that was the case before they started being infiltrated by Klaus's minions. And it's like, uh, again, we don't want to we don't want to oversimplify things and make it seem like Klaus is just the only one doing this. And he's and if we just get rid of Klaus Schwab, then the problem will be solved. It's not like that. But I just use this as a narrative device, if you will. So obviously you have a situation now where a lot of Western nations are not acting within their own interests. But generally speaking, in the field of international relations, countries act within their own interest. That is first and foremost. And so if you're looking at this conflict, you have to concede that Russia is in fact acting in their own interest. Now let's compare this to, we even go back. Let's go back to the 19, to the late 1960s, early 1970s, and we could look at Vietnam. The United States felt that to act in its own interest, it would have to stop the spread of communism to new nations. And for whatever reason, they decided that Vietnam was important enough, this small nation. Let's look up the current population of Vietnam. Vietnam population. The population of Vietnam currently. Oh, that's actually a lot of people. Jesus. 100 million people. Okay. I've undermined my own argument. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. How about the economy? Where is it? Um, 37th largest in the world. And I wonder if it was, um, I wonder what it was in 1970 though. It was a different country. Anyway, we ended up losing that war anyway, so it was a complete waste. But even if we had won, you look at that and you go, how much does that actually preserve the interests of the United States, a country across the world that is not super consequential compared to other countries that we don't even really have a close relationship with at that time. And we're going to send boots on the ground and sacrifice whatever it was, 70,000, I think. And that was not including the suicides from later. So just the 70,000 that, that died there. And then you ask, was the United States actually acting in its interests? Well, they, th they thought they were, I guess. Compare and contrast. Who was acting more in their own interest? The United States with Vietnam or Russia right now with Ukraine? You know, like, don't be a douchebag. It's obviously Russia has a sincere claim to be acting within their own interest, and you can't really dispute it. <clears throat> and it's like, you can go back to the, to the Korean War. Was the United States acting 
in its own interest. I mean, that one, you, you could make a little bit more of an argument because that did create, that did stop, you know, it split Korea into North and South and then we have a close relationship with South Korea economically and whatnot. So better argument there, more consequential, but even still, it's not as much in the United States interest as Russia's interest with Ukraine, because that's next to them. That's their neighbor. So if you're not going to like look at these things realistically, then how am I going to take your argument realistically? How am I going to take you seriously? This is one of the few things, I mean, it's like uh, when I went, when I was in college, I majored in political science and you really don't learn much, you know, like I read some political philosophy that's worth doing. I, if you're interested in it, it's worth doing. And, um, but the, with the international, I actually had a decent, um, Obviously, there was plenty of globalist propaganda thrown at us in those classes. But when I took my international relations classes, they weren't that bad. And they at least like most of the professors I had, even at Montclair, which is really liberal, were like, this is how it works internationally. Like, it's realism, it's realpolitik, that's how it works. It's not idealism. Idealism is dumb to use as a, like, it clashes with realism. And then there's like uppercase R realism and there's lowercase R real, realism. And I just mean like it clashes with lowercase R realism. Like idealism is not realistic. It's not realistic. It's not bad to have ideals to strive for, but to be like, we're doing this and what's going to happen. I was having, this is slightly unrelated, but I was having a, a conversation with someone about libertarianism because they're a libertarian and I'm not really a libertarian. Not that I have like a problem with libertarians. Like it depends on the person, I guess, but certainly not as big of a problem as like Democrats and Republicans, obviously, but I actually, I should probably stop saying obviously so much too. I just realized I say that too much. Took a sip. That's why I was gone for a sec. So I was talking to this libertarian who's, who's sincerely a libertarian. And I just go like, I'm, it's just, it's, it's just stop. It's like, don't be a thing. I mean, you can be a thing, but it's just like, what, what are you doing? man? It's like, what are you doing? But whatever, be a libertarian. But I said, I said to this person, I wish the libertarians would be honest and tell everyone that they're going to lose. Like that should be part of their platform to be like, we can't win and to have different goals. Like, a, like the libertarians sincerely believe they could win or maybe they don't, but they act like they can win. And that's deceptive. And it's not realistic, lowercase r. It's not realistic. It's unrealistic. It's idealistic. You can't win. There will never be in our lifetime unless there's some kind of violent revolution there will never be a libertarian president there will never be probably there will probably never be they'll probably never win more than like seven percent of the vote that would probably be a crazy year 
that's realistic maybe it's wrong look i know that's like a lot to say that's a lot to say and to claim like i can't claim that but look they it's they can't win so at least look at least don't say maybe say if you're going to be honest as a libertarian someday we can win someday and maybe start locally if a libertarian says well there's a um there's a city board there's a city council election coming up and there's a really promising candidate running who's a libertarian okay that's fine and vote for that person campaign for that person if you support them but the idea of a libertarian president is it's just silly so just but be honest don't be idealistic and walk around, we're going to go out there and we're going to win this election with Joe Jorgensen. I'm like, dude, put the phone down or whatever. Like, stop. You can't. It will never happen. But if this is the libertarian I would love, if they had a libertarian candidate who went on whatever, on podcasts or anywhere and been like, I want 10% or I want 5%. I want enough percent polling that we can get on that debate stage and actually make these people look like idiots. That's all I want. Then I would say, okay, I'm in. I want the guy being like, of course we're not going to win this election. It would be insane to think that we're going to win this, this presidential election. But get me on that stage so I can make these people dance, you know? Okay. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. That's a libertarian I like. So anyway, but that's just to speak to more broadly about the idealism versus realism. Let's continue here. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty more to be said about... What are we at? Wow, this time is flying. I'm, I'm in a good mood. It's 53 minutes already. What, what is it? 53 and a half. Um, let me talk about this. And, and then maybe we could go and uh, discuss the Buka thing a little bit. I actually, like, have a few podcasts planned that are less um, topical and less, like, current events-ish. But it's important. It's still important, even though it's fleeting. It's still important to talk about. I want you to know the current scams, even if this war will probably be over in a few weeks, I hope. I hope Russia just wins and it's done. That's what I wanted since I, you know, since, since the first day of the actual invasion, I just wanted Russia to win quick. Any person should have wanted that. Even the Ukrainians do. That's saying a lot. But then it's like they have to get over their indoctrination. Everyone gets heavily indoctrinated by their public schooling system. That's what it's there for. That's why you think you're the rebels. That's why you think you're the good guys. There is no less reliable form of education than public education specifically about national history and mythology. It's just so wrong and you learn a little bit a little bit about the wrongdoings of the united states through public education but not much they kind of just focus on slavery obviously oh i said it again obviously damn certainly can i do that a bad thing a bad thing 
And the United States has been involved in so much more bad, but we don't really, they don't touch on it too much. I mean, I just remember, again, I'll bring it up again. They never mentioned that. I remember learning about Operation Desert Storm and being like, wow, that's so cool. Being like 17, learning about it in history class or whatever, 16. And being like, whoa, yeah, we went in there and we handled business, son. That's the American way. In and out, one week, fucked them up. And then you're like, oh my God, wait, how many people died? What? Civilians? They were just there living in Baghdad? And we killed them all? I don't like that anymore. Is that the American way, though? It is? I don't know if I love the American way. There's plenty of things to be proud of in American culture. Maybe not proud, but to... to there are plenty of American... Uh, concepts and and american values and things like that that are good you also can't discredit that out of hand i mean this whole idea of like what we're doing right now is very american what i'm doing right now public dissident broadcasting to anyone who will listen just dragging my country for being so bad. And I can do that. And that's so good of my country. And that's a that's a that's an American thing. I mean, not maybe not specifically American, but it's got that American oomph to it. And that's good. And that's good. And so we don't have to be all doom and gloom and like everything's bad. There's obviously no. <laughs> I'm going to fix it. There's good things too. There's good things too. There's a lot of good things too. And we can be honest about that as well. But it's these underlying assumptions that need to be challenged. And like I said, we're going to do this whole, is democracy good? Is it actually good? Is it better than other forms of government? It's interesting to think about. I'm not necessarily saying yes or no, but I had never thought about it before until a few weeks ago, and I'd like to talk to you about it. Let me uh, continue on, and I want to discuss what I wrote down here, which is American leaders speaking versus Russian leaders speaking. Because um, unlike most people, and I said this to my mom when I was talking to her on the phone, I was like, because everyone's like, Putin, he's not looking so good. He looks sick. He looks sick. And he wants to he wants to bring back the greatness of the Soviet Union before he dies. And I'm like, do you really believe that? That this dude has like cancer? He's terminally ill. And so he wants to bring back the greatness of the Soviet Union via force. So he started with Ukraine. Why start with Ukraine too? There are other neighboring countries there are other countries neighboring Russia that they'd have a lot easier time handling to bring back the greatness of the Soviet Union than to start with Ukraine, perhaps. Because look, these guys know how to fight. This Azov Battalion, I mean, that's the thing. It's like they've been at war for eight years. They've been at war since 2014. They're trained soldiers. They've got experience. They've got fighting experience. The Russian counterparts are the Chechen soldiers that they have. And these dudes are serious. But they all have fighting experience. I mean, if you're Russia and you're looking at all of your neighbors and you're deciding, 
hmm, who will we destroy first to submit to the rebirth of the Soviet Empire? Leah, let's go with Ukraine, arguably the worst decision to make. So on the one hand, they're like, Putin's an evil genius. And on the other hand, he's like, well, but he's sick and he's making poor decisions, just like Hitler when he was about to die. Like, oh my God, man, everything's Hitler. Do we have to do that for everything? Everything's Hitler? Is Putin on a bunch of drugs? Because when I look at the guy's speak, I'm like, I'm not seeing that. I'm like, did you just see, did you just see a picture? Is that, it's like that picture, um, isn't it? What's her name? What's that actress's name? It's like Emma Watson, right? Isn't that her name? Emma Watson. There's a picture um, going around online. Yeah, yeah, that's her, right? There's a picture going around and it's like, don't go vegan. This is what veganism does to you. And it's just a picture taken of Emma Watson at a very unflattering angle. And I, it was very easy to find because someone shared it on Twitter and I was like, whoa, she looks terrible. But then I saw someone commented and they're like, here's a picture from the same event. And it's just like, it was just a bad lighting, bad angle. And she looks bad in that picture. But then there's a picture, clearly it's the same event. She's wearing the same dress and she looks fantastic. So it's like, no, you guys are just being assholes. She's fine. You know, she doesn't look like that. That was just a bad picture. So I don't know if they're doing this with Putin where they're like, he must be sick. I saw a picture. I saw a picture. He's sick. He's trying to restore the, the greatness of the Soviet empire. I'm like, okay. Did you listen to him though? Because that's what I, he is really, I mean, even if you hate the guy, he's worth listening to. You should listen to him. I mean, don't like, I'm not saying like, listen to him, do what he says. I just mean, actually watch the translated video of some of his speeches if you want to see where he's coming from, what his goals are. He's very clear about it. He speaks very clearly. And this is the difference. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about. So the main spokespeople, at least from what we see, and I'm not sure if this is the case in Russia. I'm not sure what the case is in Russia as to who the Russians see speak. Of course, they see Vladimir Putin speak a lot. And who we see are Putin and Lavrov, who is his, who is Lavrov? What is his role exactly? Lavrov. What is his role? Um, Russian diplomat and politician who has served as the foreign minister of Russia since 2004. We're also going to get into when we talk about um, democracy, is it good, is it bad? Um, we're going to talk about kind of the idea of long-term. I'll get into that when I get into that, whatever. There's a, there's foreshadowing. I don't know. That was terrible foreshadowing. Whatever. Um, it's going to be too much of a digression if I get into it right now. If you look at the way Putin speaks to Russians and to the world and other world leaders, um, you should be insulted by how our leaders speak to us in comparison because it is truly insulting. American leaders, and this includes even Obama, who was like the best speaker in recent memory. I mean, Bill Clinton was also a very good speaker. You know, I mean, oh, I don't, that doesn't mean I like that he kills his political opponents or people who are politically inconvenient to him. This doesn't mean I suddenly like that he's definitely a pedophile. It doesn't mean any of that. Good speaker. 
you can acknowledge this. I took a sip. Obama, also a good speaker. They're nothing. They've got nothing on Putin. But this is what it is. And it's like a cultural difference between Western leaders. And it's not just American leaders. And it's Trudeau. And it's Macron. And it's Boris Johnson. Western leaders who have this, um, the, the weight of heavy, good guy propaganda behind them speak in platitudes and they only say it's important for the United States to take a leading role in ushering in the new era of equity and fairness globally. They say things like that. That's how the, that's how the Western leaders speak to their people. It's important for us now more than ever to make a difference and to make a positive impact on the world. That's how they speak. It's insulting. And you don't realize how insulting it is because you go, ah, oh, that's just how politicians speak. They all talk like that. I'm telling you, go watch some videos of Putin speaking. He speaks to people like they're adults. He speaks to his public like they're adults. At times, he does the pol politician thing. You'll see that as well. But he actually speaks to his people like they're adults. And it's jarring. It's amazing and it's so sad that it's jarring to see a leader speak to their people like they're adults and not like they're little kids. The best example, obviously, oh no! <laughs> the best example that I can think of is Kamala Harris and she's the worst. And she speaks to people not even like they're, at least the, 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 the Joe Bidens, and I'm going to give Joe a pass on that because he doesn't even know what he's saying. He has no idea what's going on, so let's not even include Joe. But uh, Barack Obama speaks to us like we're 17. Kamala Harris speaks to us like we're six. That's how Kamala Harris speaks to the public, and she has that much disdain for the public that she doesn't feel any need to speak to people like they're adults. She speaks to people like they're six. Even when she's talking to them directly and not making uh, public speech. Even when she's talking to leaders of other countries. Even when she's, you know, in Europe speaking to other leaders. She's speaking to them like they're six-year-olds. And you're like, do you think you're talking to the American public right now? Don't you know you're talking to other leaders of European nations? There's only one... But I, like... Oh, I almost said it. I almost said it. But with Kamala, she doesn't really know what's going on. She doesn't educate herself on things like this. So she has to speak like... She has to speak like she's speaking to six-year-olds because she's operating at the level of understanding of a six-year-old. But when you listen to Putin speak, and you, I mean, you, when you listen, you, know, you just hear his Russian. But when you look at the translation and you read what he's saying... He's at least speaking to his people like they're in college or like they're adults. And you can actually get a lot. And it's kind of like if you want to get a better idea of what's going on, even if you hate Putin and Russia, you should still consider actually 
taking a look at what he's saying because he appears to be doing a lot of what he's saying. And then if you want to go, no, but he looks sick in that picture. So he wants to reestablish the Soviet Union because that picture. Okay. I mean, you're doing a lot of speculating there. Did you hear what he has to say? No, because he would lie. But the picture, he would lie, but... He would lie, but I, but I think, but Joy Reid said he wanted to do it. But it's 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 Jake Tapper. It's Jake Tapper. It's Jake Tapper. It's Jake Tapper. CNN Plus. I got my sub. So, is this? So you say, oh, are you really going to listen to Putin about what's going on? Are you really that dumb that you're going to listen to Vladimir Putin about what's going on? And you're not just going to listen to CNN? Because of the picture. He wants to reestablish the Soviet Union because of the picture. I'm like, dude, think about it. Maybe give it, give it a try. If nothing else, I want you to just watch or read one of Putin's speeches don't even like, you don't, don't even like, you could get angry at the content of it or whatever. You don't even have to look at the content really, but just look at the way he speaks. Like if you ever read speeches from old politicians from the 1800s, you're like, wow, people used to be a lot smarter because the politicians had more respect for the public. So the public, maybe the public is just as smart now as we were then. But the politicians regarded this, the public as being relatively smart. And so they spoke to them in a way that you would speak to someone who you regarded as relatively smart. And Putin still has that where it's not to the level of 1800s vernacular where that was very, um, it's hard to read now. And you might have to read a sentence a few times to get what they're saying. That goes for 1800s literature it goes for political speeches as well. It goes for political philosophy as well. The language was more complex and better. But look, if Barack Obama speaks to us like we're eighth graders, Putin speaks to Russians and the world like they're 20-year-old college kids. So it's not perfect. It's not total respect. But it's way different and it's very interesting. And you get to see like, wait a minute, politicians don't have to speak in platitudes only. They can actually be concise and talk about what's going on. It's, astou it's astounding. It really is. There was one more thing that I wanted to say and I just forgot it. But I think, um, you know, we, we're, we're at an hour 10. I think we could probably just about wrap it up here. There's a few that I have... Um, there's actually several that I have ready to go. I guess people have just been home too much, dude. And I just gotta, I should just go to Lawrence more and record there because it would be easier. But I keep saying things and then I don't do them. So let's not just, let's just not. Let's just not. Pardon my, my prolonged absence, but here's an episode. I thought it was pretty good. I hope you did too. And uh, I love you as always. And try to, try to, keep an eye out let's all keep an eye out because i didn't even get to how they're trying to bring covid back the shit they're doing lockdowns all across china tens of millions of people locked down 
tons of people starving, they can't get food. It's crazy. Peru, you got mass unrest. Sri Lanka, same deal. I don't even know what's going on. Are we still bombing Somalia? I don't even know. I got a lot that I got to do. I got a lot on my plate. I got to do catching up because I got to inform you all. So we didn't even get to a lot of stuff, but just be cognizant of this creeping COVID creeping back in. Philadelphia just reinstated the mask mandate. Don't. It's over. You can't do it this time. I really need you. I need you. I'm speaking to you specifically. I need you. Please. I can't do the masks again. We can't do this again. You can't. Please, I'm, I'm asking you, please don't do it this time. Please don't do it this time. Be done with it. We can't let them do this again. The only way they won't do it again is if we just don't do it. But they're trying to start it again. They're trying to creep back in. Keep an eye on it and don't let it happen. Let's not let it happen again. We've done We've figured too much out now to let it happen again. We've been through enough. Please, for the love of all that is good, don't let it happen again. I love you, and I will see you soon. Goodbye.